So the, the theme of the message today, as you see in your bulletin, is prayer, a heart of dependence. So I wanted to take a little bit of a different slant, whereas um, you, we all know we're supposed to pray. We all know that we're supposed to communicate with God, and, and prayer is such a huge, broad subject that I had to choose kind of a, a piece of it because it was too much to cover in just our short time. And so uh, the thing I really want to look at today is prayer, the key of it, is a heart of dependence. And I want us to um, work together to, to discover what God's expectations are in our communication and prayer to Him. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll get started. Father, thank you so much that you're in control. Thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that your character is so upright and so loving. God, it should make it easy for us to rely on you. It should make it easy for us to see our need for dependence on you because of who you are. And yet, um, I have to confess, God, that there are so many times when I'd rather rely on myself or on others or on things than rely on you. Break us of that, God. Help us to uh, figure out that the only way for true joy and the only way for answered prayer is to um, have a true heart of dependence on you, God. We pray that you do that in this time now. Speak to our hearts through your spirit in your name. Amen. Independence Day is a, a day that we celebrate as a nation. It's in a day that, that we broke free from foreign rule, from a foreign nation, and we celebrate it because it's the time when we became independent. We became our own government. We became our own people. And independence is something that is really attractive. And in fact, in our culture in the United States, independence, getting it done uh, by yourself, being tough, it's something that is, is really praised. And in the right context, there is a lot to say about independence that is, is good. But we are really strong on independence. And so then the idea of having a heart of dependence becomes lost. The idea of relying fully on someone else is countercultural, And so today we're going to talk about how important it is to have that heart of dependence and then some of the things that get in the way and maybe some of the ways that we can, can look to do that. I have several scriptures this morning. You're probably going to get really uh, annoyed with me with how many scriptures we have, but I figure anything I say um, maybe will last a minute, but God's word endures forever. And so I'm hoping that by reading his word, uh, we can really figure out the heart of God. We got the really cool privilege of going ice skating over Christmas break. There's this town up in the mountain that has this really beautiful ice rink, and it's totally free. You go and they have the ice skates, they have the warming uh, booth, and then they have this really nice ice skating rink. So we brought the kids ice skating, and they have, which is really neat, these metal um, bars that come up, and they're kind of something that the kids can hold on to and skate. So if you're a beginner skater, you learn by trusting in this metal contraption that they have and skating. So, you know, back in the day, you used to just hold onto the boards, you know, until you fell forward enough. But they has a metal contraption. And so the kids, it's amazing the confidence that they start to build because they lean heavily on this thing as they go. And Jackson does this deal, you know, just straight down and just basically runs with his ice skates. But before you knew it, he began to find his own balance, find his own weight, and uh, he started using it less and less. And so instead of the down, you see the upright position, you know. And then before you knew it, 
Jack skating without it. But what a beautiful idea, right? For something there that we can lean on in full dependence when we don't have it all together. And I want to present to you that we never have it all together. You see, there is never an excuse or a time for us in life to get rid of that metal contraption. If that metal contraption is the Lord Jesus, there is never a time when we will be good enough or smart enough or tough enough or able enough to separate ourselves from the reliance on the Lord Jesus. Amen? So then why do we try? Let's read Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. I thought I was being so clever by marking all the verses in my Bible so that I wouldn't have to spend tons of time. Oh, well, I got lucky there. But now that I have like 15 of them, it seems a little confusing. But Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Anyone ever heard that verse before? Pretty common one, right? Pretty easy one. No, not easy, but common. And the request or the the command in this one is to have that dependence for us to be willing to give our reliance and our self-sufficiency over to the Lord and to trust in Him. To give everything that we are into His hands. You see, God wants my dependence. God wants me to be reliant on Him. And He wants me to trust in Him with all my heart. He doesn't want me to lean on my own understanding because He knows that my own understanding or my own perspective is going to get me in trouble. And He wants me in every way and everything I do to acknowledge Him. Meaning, everything I do needs to be handed over and say, God, okay, not my way, Your way. And that's dependence. See, but we have become, like I was saying before, such an independent and self-reliant people that the thought of reliance on someone else, that sounds like weakness. Or that sounds very unattractive because as soon as we give control over, well, what happens is we lose control. And we want control. We want to be able to determine uh, what goes on. Um, I have a habit of playing video games still at 33 I love video games, always have. And there's times on a, on a Saturday, sometimes I try usually to do it at, in, at night after everyone's gone to sleep, and so I stay up till 2 really responsibly and play my video game. But during the day on Saturday, sometimes in the afternoon, I'll, I'll try to sneak, oh, I'll just sneak in one little game. And so I'll start playing my game, and before you know it, the kids are asking me to do things. And, and uh, before you know it, I have to take the dogs out. And before you know it, there's all this other stuff that gets in the way. And... Listen, I don't know if you're the same way, but any time that my plan gets altered or changed from what I wanted, I get a little bit irritable. Anyone relate with that? Or are you all real laid-back people that just kind of go with the flow? It's amazing for me, when I have a thought or or thinking of how something's going to go, if it gets derailed, I'm frustrated. I'm grumpy. You can ask my wife. Even on simple things, And so the idea then of giving full control over to someone and never being able, in my own mind at least, to to choose what I want to do, it makes me fearful. And I think one of the main reasons 
why we do not want to be dependent. This is the, the problem. Reliance and dependence is at the very heart of prayer. Reliance and dependence is at the very heart of prayer. You see, when we come to the Lord with a genuine dependence and reliance on Him, we ask of Him uh, the things we desperately need and we acknowledge, God, I cannot do this. It's too big for me. But it's not too big for you. And prayer in itself, when done the right way, will acknowledge who we are and will acknowledge who he is. So one of the main reasons that our prayers are not answered, and you'll need to search this out because I I can't just throw out a a statement of truth and and have you uh, just accept it at face value. So please think through this, uh, search this. But one of the main reasons I'm going to present that our prayers are not answered one of the main reasons that our prayers are not answered, and you, know, you can always say, well, the answer is no a lot of times, but one of the main reasons that our prayers are not answered is because we are not praying in faith. You see, faith is the opposite of self-reliance. Faith is the extreme opposite of self-reliance. See, over here, I, I do it all on my own with self-reliance, Here on this side with faith, I am giving over trust and control to an almighty God. And they can't come together. And so if I come and I pray in the spirit of self-reliance, guess what my prayer is going to do? Because it wasn't a prayer in faith. And I want to present to you that one of the main reasons that our prayers are not answered is because they're not done in faith. Matthew 21, verse 22. Turn there in your Bible if you could. Jesus backs up what I'm saying, I believe, or I should say it the other way. I'm trying to say what Jesus said to you. Matthew 21, verse 22. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Let's, let's jump back to verse 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now this verse can't be true because I have asked for some pretty phenomenal things and have not gotten them, Okay. I have asked for some beautiful vehicles and they have not come my way just by someone donating them to me like I prayed. So what is Jesus saying here? That if you ask whatever you want in belief, you're going to get it. Well, that, that word believing, that, that, that's a key because that is a, a faith proposition. And Jesus is, is not saying Ask whatever silly thing you want and it's going to be done for you. Jesus is saying that if you ask in faith, and when you ask in faith, you ask within the heart of God. When you ask in faith within the heart of God for His will to be done, if His will is for that mountain to be moved and you have full faith that that is His will, Jesus is saying that that mountain will move. And so Jesus is not saying this is your ticket to get whatever you want and, and, and uh, 
for, for me to, to just grant whatever. He backs it up again. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 13. He says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Listen to verse 14. This is crazy. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What's the key there? What do you think my name means? Just saying the name of Jesus? Lord, I want a brand new Tahoe in Jesus' name. Bing! Now you see, it's bigger. That my name in verse 14, what I believe it's talking about, again, you need to, to search this as well. What I believe the my name is talking about there is when you, when you ask in the full faith and confidence of who I am, it'll be granted to you. You see, if we pray uh, inside of the will of the Lord, we're going to see answers. If we pray in His name, meaning inside of what He thinks is best, what He thinks is right and true, we will see answers to our prayer. And praying any other way is praying outside of faith. The words that Jesus spoke here in both Matthew 21 and then John 14, they're just saturated with this idea of a heart of, of dependence. And if we just read it and, and, and flesh, uh, flesh over it, you won't see it, but as you, as you dig into it and in the context, you realize that Jesus is, is calling for this heart of real reliance and dependence on him. And anything outside of that, it, it's just not going to work. It's going to be frustration. Why is it so hard to give him full reliance and full dependence? Well, imagine this. Let's picture. I'm going to set up a, a picture. You have put an ad in the newspaper, and you're taking, taking in uh, applications, and you're taking in resumes because you have a job to fill. And so you're in your office, and, then, and, and Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm here to apply for the position a faith holder. I, yeah, I was reading about it in, uh, in, in the newspaper there that you were looking for, for something or someone to place your faith in, and I'm here to apply. I, I think I'm qualified. And then you would say, oh, well, well thanks for coming down. I, I'm, uh, I'm looking for someone that is trustworthy and dependable. Um, what makes you feel like you meet the requirements, Jesus? Um, what makes you feel like you're... Um, applicable or qualified for this position and uh, imagine if Jesus then just just started in the first person uh, reading Colossians 1 verse 16 he says well I, there's this I'm the image of the invisible God um, I'm the firstborn of all creation um, by me all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth uh, things you can see things you can't see oh uh, presidents and kings and rulers, authorities. They were all created um, through me and really for me. Um, I'm before all things. I don't know if that helps. Um, in me, everything holds together. Uh, I'm the head of the body, the church, and, and I am the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that, that I will come to have first place in, in everything. 
See, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of God to dwell in me. He seems pretty qualified. (laughs) And yet, we would sit there, and, and if you've done like I do, you'd say, ooh, sounds good, but I'm looking in a different direction. I'm looking in a different direction. Is there anyone more qualified to be the faith holder for you? Is there? Is there anyone that can stand up anything, any idea, any concept, any nation, any, any, uh, anything that can stand up to Jesus when it comes to the qualification of being someone you can trust and rely and depend on? Is there? No. And I'm being silly in, in, in laying it out in a job interview, but I hope that it, it makes the point that can you imagine someone coming in that qualified and then yet still saying, mm, you know what, sounds good, but I, I think I'm going in this direction here. Yeah, drugs and alcohol and sex, it, it's got a lot to offer. Pride and, and, uh, and money, I, whew, it seems pretty good. So I know you said all those things, and I know they're true, but there is this. It's crazy. And I, I know that I'm being sarcastic, but really when we start thinking about when we choose sin over faith and reliance on the Lord Jesus, it is, it's silly, isn't it? It doesn't seem like that right in the moment, but to make that decision is foolishness. And you and I, I think, um, delve into that too often. Self-reliance, this is the second point of the outline, sorry, the first point of the outline, if you want to write it down, is um, reliance and dependence is at the heart of prayer, was point one. Point two, the tragedy and sin of self-reliance is part two. After hearing the Lord's qualifications and the ability and, and position of authority, it would be foolish not to hear him and not to choose him. And yet, like we already said, there's so many times when we sin and we choose not to rely on his word or his character or what his desire or his will is for our life. This is what's interesting. Think of how many people we so often throughout every day freely give our hope and our faith to. I'm talking about we hand over with full conviction our faith and our hope. Hear who, uh, who here, hear who, hear who ever has problems with their automobile? Anyone ever? Oh good, I'm not alone. My mom says, I hate, I hate cars. Every time one breaks down, I, I just hate cars. Who here fixes it all by themselves? Kevin? Very good. Would you be able to, if an engine blew, would you be able to do it all by yourself? Okay. So he's smart enough to have a few things. But the big stuff, and listen, when I have something wrong, I say, Sean, come help me. And Sean has been doing a great job with my vehicles that have been breaking down quite a bit. So I've been thankful that I can put 
my faith and my hope in Sean and say, Sean, I can't do this, but you can. You see, and every time you go and you get your car fixed, you have faith and hope and reliance and an acknowledgement that, nope, I can't do it. I'm not self-reliant. You see, you're willing to give your faith and your hope into the hands of an auto mechanic, but not the living God? What about the furnace repair guy? That's always a fun one. Abby and I had to camp out in front of the fireplace because our, and our, as our house got down to 50 degrees, and the next day, the furnace repair guy shows up. His uh, 24-hour hotline was busy, conveniently, during the middle of the night, and so he showed up the next day. And I had to trust him and say, yeah, go for it, man. Listen, if that guy gets things wrong, my house blows up. You know what I'm saying? If he allows, a, doesn't tighten something and the gas starts to leak into my house, I'm poisoned and then I turn on my stove and blammo. But I have full faith and confidence in someone I've never even met to come into my house and to fix my stuff. And yet I won't give that same confidence and faith to the living God. The engineer of a roller coaster. Who here has experienced a roller coaster? I experienced my last roller coaster this, Sunday, or this summer after receiving whiplash and a sore back. It's not quite like when I was in high school, okay? Yeah, the kids didn't love it, but they kind of loved it. You know that feeling. When you're on a roller coaster and you're looking at it, yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> it looks like I hear the screaming, but it'll be fine. And you go and you get in, your, in line and you go and you ride the roller coaster and then when you start click, click, that's when you start doubting the engineer of the roller coaster, right? And you say, this thing is 300 years old and made of wood, okay? I do not know if we're surviving this. But then you forget and you're riding and you're enjoying it and you're trusting the engineer that you've never met or seen his qualifications or his character. You're trusting him with your life. And you do it without a thought. This one's good. This one's going to bother you, but I'm going to go ahead and, and do it anyways. The people who prepare your food at a restaurant, okay? Who doesn't like to think about this? Yeah, I just, you have to go into a little bit of, of just self-denial and, and just go into a, a different mindset that those are the nicest, cleanest people that are having their hands all up in my food, all right? And they would never do anything that was not strictly FDA regulated and approved, right? Interesting, but without a thought. We hand over good money for someone else that we've never met or reputation that we trust, really, because we don't know them, to do for us what we want accomplished. And yet when it comes to handing over the lives of my own kids into the hands of a living, loving God, I struggle. But I know him. I know his character. I know his value. I know his purposes. I know his plans for me are not for harm. And yet I still struggle with a self-reliance. It's like when I comes to God, my faith takes a vacation. There is no other explanation other than our flesh hates when we yield in reliance to God. 
anyone but Jesus will give our faith and our hope and our reliance to. Jesus was frustrated, or I'm sorry, God was frustrated by this. Uh, the Father was frustrated by this in Jeremiah. So turn back if you could, Jeremiah. We're going to go to chapter 2. We'll start in verse 7. God is recapping his faithfulness to the children of Israel. And he's kind of in a, a moment here. You know when your kids do something to exasperate you? <laughs> you know when your kids do something and you get that voice? What? How? How could you? Why? How? Why? That in some ways, and though in perfect control and in, in without any sin, God is, is in that state a little bit here with, with the children of Israel. He says in verse 7, I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, but you came and defiled my land and my inheritance made an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And, who's, and those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that did not profit. Therefore, I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your sons, your sons I will contend. For cross to the coastlands of Kinnom and see, and send to Kedar and observe closely, and see if there has been such a thing as this. Has the nation changed gods when they are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. Listen to this. This is the key. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So God recaps his goodness to his people, the children of Israel. He says, listen, here's the frustrating thing. I did all these things to show that I was capable and trustworthy, and it didn't mean a thing. And even in the, the knowledge that I was the best thing, they began to search for other things, to rely on themselves instead of me. And it couldn't satisfy, and it didn't work, and it didn't hold, because nothing holds besides me. You see, we would rather trust in our own brokenness than to rely on the mighty hand of God. Here's a question then. Why are we confused when our prayers are not answered? Why are we frustrated and confused when our prayers are not answered? We shouldn't be. Third point, self-reliance is in direct opposition to God and will hinder our prayers. This is really interesting. And we are um, salvation on faith alone, right? That's, that's, that is the, the genuine truth. And we know that, that even after salvation, that our purification cannot be accomplished without faith. And apart from faith, it, it, it won't work. And yet here, there are conditions laid out that I want to show you where God very clearly talks about a direct relation between our behavior, our purity, our heart's attitude, 
and whether or not a prayer will be answered. You see, when we live outside of the will of God and our conduct and our attitudes and our uh, interaction with others, and then go and try to pray to God, I want you to hear what happens. See, this is an amazing revelation. It, it, it takes away the myth that God is this magic genie who will grant every wish and desire that we have. It, it blows it apart because listen to the startling contrast, and we're going to move through several verses here. I have uh, several verses, and we'll, we'll kind of finish on this, that will themselves start to lay out the case that we're making here. That when we are not fully reliant on God, there is no way that we can see our prayers answered. Proverbs 15, verse 29 says this, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Proverbs 1, 28-29 Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently. So that's not the problem. They're seeking him diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Psalm 145, 18-19 says this, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. See, God is longing to answer our prayers and he is longing to hear us. And yet those that call outside of faith and outside of the fear of the Lord will not be answered. You see, the wicked he will not hear. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways. Then, listen, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Do you see that? That is crazy. There are conditions on whether or not the Lord is going to hear and answer my prayer according to God's word, yes. And if I'm walking outside of God's will and I come to a moment of desperation and I'm still walking outside of his will and I call upon him, guess what? Perhaps in his own grace and mercy he will still hear me and yet the effectiveness of my prayer the prayer that can actually move the hand of God, and we don't even have time to to talk about that amazing privilege and mystery. And yet when I'm busy on self and busy on, on, on living for my own ambitions and then I go and try to communicate with God, guess what? He won't hear. And yet when I am walking and abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and I humbly approach the throne and in his name through faith i ask all those that things that are asked in belief will be granted and we would be fools fools and i know that's a strong word not to take advantage of that privilege but you understand the privilege is not just that at any time i can go just uh, toss up a, a a prayer to the lord oh want this i want this accomplish this 
You see, prayer is a a broad self-reliance, self-dependence lifestyle. And a person abiding and walking with Christ is able to call upon the name of the Lord and have his prayers heard by the Lord. That's startling. I get so wrapped up in the grace of God and it's such a beautiful thing. And 1 John is so right that if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us of all righteousness. But sometimes I get so wrapped up in that that I forget that my behavior will affect my relationship with the Lord. It will. It'll hinder my prayers. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Hmm. James 5. Only... Two more passages, don't worry. James 5, verse 13. This is the example of Elijah. Elijah was a man that that walked after the heart of God. This was a man that knew what God's will was And at the very end of this passage, we're going to read something phenomenal happen, something similar to asking a mountain to get up and move, and it moves. The story of Elijah is very similar to that concept. But the context of it is a man that followed closely after God, and his heart and his desire was to do the will of the Lord. And when he, a righteous man, prayed inside of the will of God, Amazing things happen. Let's start in verse 13 of James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then he gives an example of that very thing. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Three years and six months. The Lord answered this righteous man's prayer. Then he prayed again. And the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. You see, James 5, 13 to 18 is phenomenal because it talks about our ability to cause the God of the universe to move his hand. It is saying that things that would not have happened 
will happen when we pray to the Lord. Do you realize that? And I'm not sure how that all works together with the sovereignty, and I'm not here this morning actually to figure out that perfect balance of how it all fits together. But all I know is, according to what God's Word says, when we ask in the name of the Lord and in His will as a righteous person, the hand of the Lord will move. And so if we want what's wonderful for our kids and we start to pray now for their spouses and we we start to pray for their future, we want our heart to look like God's heart. When we want uh, money to be raised or people to be protected, if we pray as righteous men and women who abide in the Lord Jesus, we can expect that the hand of God will move and will answer. That's phenomenal. It's, it's almost too big. It's almost too much to understand the significance of it, but, but it's crazy. Turn back one more. James chapter 4. And we'll end with this. James 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So they may, you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us, but He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, this is keys. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you from you. Verse 5 is so cool. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose or, or you think, another way of saying it, do you think that God is just blowing smoke or lying when he, when he says through his own word that he jealously desires the spirit that lives in us? You see, our spirit is able to communicate with the Spirit of the living God. And that one that we communicate with, He wants fellowship with you so badly. He longs for relationship with you. He longs for us to acknowledge who He is, to give Him His rightful place in our life. Sweet, sweet fellowship that we can't find in things or other other pursuits. And he is, he is saying, do you not know that I'm jealous for you? If we can submit ourselves to the Lord, if we can humble ourselves, as that verse said, if we can Know the will of God because we're walking with Him. God will answer prayer. God will do amazing things. But it's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite that we yield to Him, that we we have a heart of dependence. So your homework uh, for this week is please go and read. I'll get, just read two. 
you know, you'll start by reading two, and if you like it, you can read more. But read two of, of David's prayers. See, David was a man after God's own heart. And a lot of the reason I believe that he was called that are inside of his prayers because he was desperate for the Lord. He didn't come to the Lord uh, and, and just kind of casually uh, approach him and ask something, think, ah, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. No, he was fervently seeking the heart of God in his prayers. And he watched as, as God does amazing things through the heart of David and through the life of David. God is not done doing amazing things. God is not done answering prayers. But God has made it pretty clear in his word that we have to humble ourselves uh, before our, our prayers will, will be heard, before our prayers will be answered. He is the only one worthy of our faith. The only one qualified. Let's give it to him. Father, thank you so much that you've given us this amazing privilege, this mystery where prayer, uh, communicating with you, our spirit, communicating uh, w- with your spirit. Um, Father, it, it, what an exciting thing. And, and, and the idea, God, the, the true idea that my requests being made to you when done uh, in righteousness and, and abiding and, and humil- uh, humility, the idea, God, that those things can be answered. God, help me to want what you want. Help me to think like you think. Help me to know your will through obedience and abiding so that when it comes time, God, for your mighty hand to intervene, all it will take is for me to ask my Heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts. God, we want to learn what it means to be reliant on you. We want to become true men and women of prayer. We pray this through your name. Amen.